Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. We thank you, Lord, for that that worship song that reminds us that, uh, that sometimes if we're not careful, our faith gets old. It gets a bit crusty. It needs softened back up. Lord, soften our hearts this morning. And as we look at your word, as we hear your voice, we'd be renewed and refreshed, looking for opportunities to share with others the hope we have both today and not and forever. May that be the thing that drives our life. And may all other things go to the wayside. Thank you for your love, your care, and your concern over our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. So I get... Um, we're going to read scripture in a second, but I got to share these a couple things with you. So last week, uh, a whole bunch of little guys sent a whole bunch of cards, and I got a pile, and they were all different sizes and shapes, and some in envelopes, and some not in envelopes, and uh, uh, they're good. And I just want to share a couple with you because um, I think sometimes we forget how important uh, it is to encourage. This card is from a young man, I don't know, his children's church or uh, Sunday school, I'm not sure. or I, not, I don't even know. It doesn't matter, but it says, I can't wait to give you this card. Thank you for your work. Love, Warren. Yeah. I, I was... Uh, <laughs> I didn't read them till last Sunday evening, and I sat in a chair, and I was, it was a long day. Sunday was just a long day. And so I'm going through these, and I'm sitting in a puddle of uh, tears, happy tears, because they're so powerful. Did you guys know that I'm an awesome pastor? It says right in here. <laughs> just telling you. I'm, me and Harry, there's a picture of me and Harry. Uh, I don't know where that one is, but uh, we're hanging out together, and I, I must give Harry some treats, because he remembers the good things, like, appreciate that. Thanks for running the church. Yeah, help our, this one might be, ha- there's one that says help, helping run the church, so that's cool. I bring this up, and I wanted to do this before I read the scriptures, because the young, guy, the young ones won't be here uh, during this sermon, but these are so important. And so powerful, and I'm so thankful. I got pictures and uh, cards of every color, shape, size, um, just so many cool things. And I'm thankful to our church for those uh, those opportunities uh, that are put in front of us. So, thank you guys. I'll save those for your wedding, and when I'll be make sure I'll keep those. And when you get married, I'll be sure to sure to uh, encourage you through those. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 10. 
uh, 10, 1 through 12. And said, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town at a place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, you will return. It will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you and whatever the worker deserves. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we will wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. If you're young, you can run. Or something like that. Your husband seems rather weary. He has a very taxing occupation. He's on call day and night. He hardly gets any sleep. Good gracious. And his work demands absolute Consistency. What did he do? But is he a brain surgeon? <laughs> Not exactly. Time to make the donuts. Dunkin' Donuts. Of the 52 varieties fresh day and night. Who else goes to that trouble? <laughs> so I don't know if you uh, remember that commercial. Uh, Was I born that? that will. No, you weren't born for that. <laughs> You were not born for that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was in the eighties. Uh, um, I wondered what show it was. Oh uh, yeah, it, it was. It was a good commercial. Uh, there were a bunch. There were actually like four or five different Dunkin' Donuts commercials with that guy. Uh, and that's a that's a line. Do you ever do you ever have those things where you're like, I need to get up and I need to do those things. Sometimes uh, in the in the later stages of hunting season. That's kind of the joke while we're laying in bed, right? The alarm goes off and you're like, huh, time to make the donuts, right? <laughs> time to get up and begin to do and, uh, and to get out and uh, to do the work, right? The whole, the whole focus of the commercial was that this guy made the donuts. He made all the Dunkin' Donuts fresh daily. And so he had to get up really early in the morning to get the donuts made so they would be ready to go for when you got there in the morning to buy your donuts. And when I hear that, well, one of the things I've set, talked about in the last couple of weeks is the, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And th this happens to be that passage. The harvest is plenty. There's plenty of donuts to make. There are plenty of people to share Jesus with in our life. The question is, are we doing that? 
Are we willing to share with those we come in contact with? Are we willing to share the hope we have? If you didn't notice, the songs this morning were all about our hearts uh, either being hard or getting crusty, about, being, about not being open um, to sharing the hope we have in our faith. We watch this world before our eyes changing. We recognize that things are not going to get better, per se. Things are going to be more difficult in some areas. We need to, t to take a step back and realize that this will be an uphill battle in our faith, for our faith. I'm recognizing that uh, in the church setting, in the counseling setting, I'm seeing it on, I mean, it doesn't take much to watch it on TV. There will be an uphill battle in our faith. That's not going to magically change tomorrow. We can pray for revival, but Scripture tells us that as we get nearer the end, it will be harder. I've, I've said that I, I used to believe that we... We, are a, we were a Christian nation. We were a nation founded on our religious freedoms, our, on, on Jesus Christ in a lot of ways. But we are not that anymore. If you're not willing to stand up for your faith, people aren't going to come alongside you and stand up for you. You're going to have to stand up for your faith. We see it in the school settings. We see it, we see it in all these areas of our life where our faith is being squeezed and pushed and moved. If you don't take a stand for your faith, now I'm not mean, I don't say get in people's faces and being angry and being frustrated. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is standing up for my faith and my right to have uh, religious freedom, my right to believe in Jesus. And not only that, but to share that hope with others. I went to a football game on Friday with my dad. We went to, uh, I always go on a away Harbor Creek game with my dad every year. My dad's been going to high school football games since the 60s. He's not missed probably more than five or six high school games in his, uh, since 19, in the 60s. And he and I always go, and, and the, uh, as things get a little, we, he always picks the furthest one away, so I'll drive, and he doesn't have to go alone, right? And, and that's a good thing. Um, and we have a great time. But it would happen to be senior night for Connie at Ohio's uh, football uh, team. So that it was all the football players. It was all the marching band players. It was all the uh, uh, anyone who was connected to the football, uh, fall sports is what it was. And it was, it was a long, long, long group of people. And they would bring those kids out with their parents. And I noticed a couple of things. They would bring their, their parents would walk across the 50-yard line, they would start on the backside, come forward, they would talk about them, and they had this laundry list of things like, where are you going, where, where are you headed, what are you thankful for, and it, you, know, you know, that's like, I think they call them superlatives, I think that's the nice word, I don't know if that's the right word, but that's what I'm going to use this morning. Anyway, they're talking about, like, what's important, where am I headed, what am I going to do, and uh, what are my plans for life moving forward? And one of the things I noticed over and over and over in the thank you part, you know, that like, I want to thank my mom and dad. I want to thank my friends. I want to thank uh, my teachers. Over and over, 
senior after senior after senior. I want to thank these people for the hard year I had and how they helped me walk through it. I want to thank these people for uh, my friends for being there when life wasn't going well. And, and it was over and over and over. And the theme, inadvertently, they didn't plan it, but the theme, um, and to me, more of the speaking of what the world looks like today, was this, was this understanding that life is hard and life is a challenge and it's not going to get any easier. And when I listened to those, thank, I, I, I'm thankful for my parents who stood by me when, I, uh, when things weren't good this year. I'm thankful uh, for my friends who were willing to listen to me. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. And over and over, it stuck out to me that the world we live in is not... Uh, when I graduated, I didn't even know enough to know the world was going to be hard, right? I remember being 18, and I, I can tell you without a doubt in my mind that I could take over the world. That's how naive I was when I graduated, right? I didn't even know any. I didn't know any better. I thought that that's how it was. And of course, what happens when you turn 18, right? The world smacks you in the forehead, and you realize there's going to be some challenges in life. The challenges in our life, we talk about those challenges, and we, we recognize, and what I see even in the church set, and it should be different here, guys, it should be different here, but what I see in the, in, in the world we live is we're getting beat down, we're getting wore out, we're getting, we're tired, we're struggling. Things are going the wrong direction. And I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you in your faith to step up, to step out, and to ask yourself, how am I helping in the harvest? Am I a worker who's willing to share in the work that God has put in front of us? Have I picked one grain? Have I picked one field? Did you note? I don't know if you noticed if you're a Facebooker or not, but uh, the harvest is so plenty. I was telling you last week about the apple trees down the road. The harvest is so plenty, right, plentiful, that the apples are on the ground, and birches can't get them picked. They're offering to pay people, families, and they're, they're making it some, like, entertainment. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, here or there. But you can make $30 a box. And you can take your family out and you can all pick apples and fill up those boxes. They cannot get the apples picked. The harvest is so plentiful that the trees are, are leaning so far down, the ground is, is apples, right? You probably break your ankle trying to get in and out of there. The harvest is plenty. But Birches doesn't have enough workers to make it happen. They don't have enough people who can do the job and make it happen. Jesus is talking about the exact same thing. He said there are, there are tons of people who need to hear the gospel. There are tons of people who need to find the hope of Jesus Christ. And there aren't near enough people that's willing 
to share their faith. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. So what makes a good worker? What is it that makes a good worker? What makes you a good employee? I just found this online. I thought it would be funny. Uh, just, these are the things that make us a good worker. Punctuality, courteousness, trustworthy, productive, reliable, hardworking, dependable, polite. Uh, these are just a, just a few things. What makes you a good employee? What is it that makes you good at your faith? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to look at uh, what Jesus talks about as he shares to send out these 72, right? There were, there were, right before this, he has the 12 disciples, and then he has the 72. He kind of, he has another, and what were these guys doing? Guys, I say guys, what were these people doing? What were these 72 going to do? They were going to share the gospel. What they, they were going out ahead, right? They were going out to, hey, I need you to go, I need two of you to go to Corey, because we're headed there next week. I need two of you to go to Union City, right? We're headed there in a week after that. I need a couple of you to go to Edinburgh. I need a couple of you to go to, to Ripley, wherever they were going to go, right? I need you to go out and get it prepared. Go and get it ready. The harvest will be plentiful. Go there and, and, and put out feelers. Let's see what we got in those areas, and let's take the gospel to those areas. So what makes a good worker? I want to share that with you this morning. A good worker, God's worker, prays for opportunities. And I want to give you this because I want to, I want to share with you and encourage you uh, to maybe be able to be better at harvesting, right? At sharing your faith with those you come in contact with, not in a weird, awkward, let me smack you with a Bible way, but, a, but a, a more realistic, organic way of, listen, this is my faith, this is how I live it, I live it day in and day out, I make mistakes, I have problems, uh, I'm living out my faith. People, whether you know it or not, are watching. When you call yourself a Christian, and sometimes we don't even call ourselves a Christian. People are watching to see what we're doing. They're watching to see what makes a difference. They're watching at a funeral when there's hope and not despair. They're watching in those moments when problems arise and we respond maybe a little bit differently. They're watching in those areas. Lots of people come to church as seekers, right? They're seeking something they don't have. So you may be here this morning just checking it out, checking out what Christians do. Well, I need to tell you, we make mistakes and bad choices. Some things come out of our mouths that shouldn't. We act sometimes stupid, right? We're not perfect by any way, shape, or form. But perfection is what we're seeking. We're headed in that direction. That doesn't mean we're there. That doesn't mean we got it figured out. That means we have the hope of Jesus. And that's the direction we're pointing in. That's 
what we're sharing with others. He says in uh, verse 2, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the harvest field. That means we ought to be in prayer. We should be in prayer for, uh, for those opportunities that God puts in front of us. We should be in prayer for those that God might be leading or calling into the ministry. Do you realize, maybe, maybe you don't know the, the statistics. Uh, I'll give you the local statistics uh, as what I was told of uh, last, last week at an association meeting. There are 44 churches in our association. We're the Oil Creek Association. So we're kind of like Erie and uh, Crawford. And there's, just this, there's 44 American Baptist churches in our region. Ten of those 44 do not have long-term pastors. That's a quarter. And I said, how will, you know, I, I uh, Wesleyville Baptist Mark McCallum just retired uh, September. He'd been there 24 years. And I said, hey, they need help figuring out how to get a new pastor. An interim pastor, maybe. They need, they need people uh, to come alongside. It's been a long time. And you know what I was told by the, by the denomination? There are no interims to send. There is no one to send to Wesleyville Baptist Church to lead that denomination or that, that church at this, even on an interim basis. And an interim, if you don't know what an interim is, an interim comes in and, and fills the gap between old pastor and new pastor. It gives them a space. You guys remember Victor Shields, uh, remember when Victor was here uh, for nine months? That was what Victor's job was. His, his job was never to take over the position, but rather to fill in the gap, to, to give a buffer on both sides. There is no one in our area that they have that's willing to go and be the interim. Now, that could change like today, right? It could change tomorrow. But, but it speaks to the world we live in. When Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Let me ask you why you're on this earth. Why are you living and breathing and, and getting up every morning? Is it to make a paycheck? Is it to keep a house warm? Is it to eat? What are you here for? What is the end goal? Why are you here? If you have the hope of the gospel, why are you not sharing it with those you come in contact with? We have opportunities and it's limited. There's one thing I've learned in my life. Opportunities are limited. Time is limited. Boy, if I could have went back and changed some things I did when I was younger. And started at a younger age making better decisions. Uh, I, I can't. And I, I, I don't want to focus on that. But, uh, but the reality is this. Our time is limited. You will not be this age for another second. And every second it ticks off again. Why are you here? Why are you breathing? Because God has something in front of you. God has put someone in front of you. God is, has an opportunity for you to share the, your faith with someone, to reconcile with someone, to, to help them understand the faith, the hope you have. 
I think sometimes we use prayer as our last-ditch effort, right? Ain't got nothing else to do. I can't, I can't do anything, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray about it. Maybe you haven't thought about it, but that, it probably should be the other direction. One of my favorite things uh, with, with some of the older parts of our congregation is, is that they are prayerful warriors, they pray over the things that need prayed. You don't know how powerful it is when someone says, I've been praying for you, or someone texts me, hey, I'm praying for your sermon on Sunday. They, they don't under, people don't understand how powerful that is and how important that is. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person is powerful and effective. And all too often we make it the last ditch effort. I can't figure out anything else, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray about it. Let me challenge you to make that a priority. And here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to have to sit down in your little prayer spot and make it happen. You can pray on your way to work. I used to, one of my favorite things I used to, when I went to the foundry years and years and years ago, I would pray for the 20 minutes that it was... Uh, when I left for work to when I got to work. That was, that was a really quiet... There was no one else in the, in the uh, car with me. No one else was with me. And so it was quiet time. I turned the radio down and I would pray. Let me encourage you to find those moments in your life. Uh, it, it's harder now because I only have to walk 100 yards. And unless I walk <laughs> a couple months ago... I. I decided, I don't know why, I was, I was just going for, I was on my way to work and i like, you know what, I need a walk this morning, I'm going to take it a little long, I'm going to take the long road home or to work. And so I literally kept walking. I get down to almost the end of the road and I was just going to go down and turn around and come back. And my wife drives by and she, I think she thinks I lost my mind. <laughs> she says, she pulls over, almost runs me over. <laughs> She's like, are you Okay. What's the matter with you? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm running away from home. Duh. <laughs> I said, I went for a walk. And she's like, well, that's the most weird thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but it was one of those days where I just needed to take an extra 20 minutes. I thought, I can get into work, sit in my chair, or I can go for a little longer walk. Let me encourage you to pray for those opportunities for the harvest. And here's, here's the challenge in that prayer. The challenge in that prayer is this. I dare you to pray for an opportunity to share your faith. I dare you. You know why? Because if you pray that prayer and you're earnest and you're honest about it and you look for an opportunity to, to share your faith, you know what's going to happen? You are going to get that opportunity. I promise you. That's a bit scary, huh? You might not. Yeah, that's right. You might get it even if you don't ask. But I, I always, I'm, I'm always about intentionality, right? About intentionally uh, thinking and focusing on an opportunity to share my faith. That doesn't mean I have to say, well, all right, let's sit down and let's open the Bible and let's start in Genesis and work out. No, it's not about that at all. It's actually usually the opposite. It's just about sharing faith well, when someone wants to know what, what's important in your life. What do you value? It's those opportunities. 
Let me encourage you. This is just one prayer model. I'll show you another one in a second. Set yourself up to succeed in your prayer life. This one happens to be the Acts prayer model. If you get online, Google it, you can find it in about a half a second. Uh, this is adoration, you know, uh, worship, right? Confession, dealing with the things in my life I need to, uh, to get right with God with. Thanksgiving, being thankful for God's blessings and, and supplication. This is another one. This is, this is uh, in Matthew. If you want to stay with uh, the scripture model, uh, this is the Our Father, right? And, and, and this one just kind of shows like, hey, there's six different areas we can uh, begin to uh, pray over. I want to encourage you to, to pray. I want to encourage you uh, to, to seek God out. What happens is we half-heartedly do this and then Sometimes we're not sure if God answered or if he answered the right way or even worse, sometimes we're hurt because he answered in a different way. All too often, that's what happens when people are sick. That's what happens when people are, are, are towards the end of their life. We, we, we pray in our heart of hearts for their healing. And in that moment, we're praying for their healing Our minds are so stuck in the fact that we can't handle losing them that our healing is the only healing we can get to, the only healing we can deal with is healing that makes them better to be able to walk uh, on this earth longer. And all too often, we see God working in a different direction. He heals them of the ailments they have. And that's sometimes through death. If we're honest, we recognize that no one is going to live forever. Each of us will deal with death. And sometimes that healing is the one God uses, even when that's not easy. God's worker takes chances. Take some chances. I, I, I wonder, he says, go and remember that I am sending you out amongst the wolves. He's not saying this is going to be safe mode, right? He's not saying, well, so stay in your house and people are going to show up and they're going to ring the doorbell and you'll have an opportunity. He says, listen, you're going to have to go out. You're going to have to go. You're going to have to go amongst people and you're going to have to take some chances. You're going to have to have the opportunity I'll put the opportunity in front of you, but you're going to have to take some chances. There's going to be people in front of you who don't have hope. What are you going to do when you experience those people? Are you going to share your faith? Are you going to sh- maybe your hope maybe you're struggling too. But the opportunities are are, are, are endless for us to walk in front of someone, to see someone, to see our neighbor, to talk to the people that are around us. If you don't even get out and, you're, and you get those, do you ever get those phone calls where uh, people are calling to scam you? Those are my favorite. And I found out I'm not the only one in the world who does this. It's kind of ridiculous, but I keep them on the line. Someone said to me, yeah, if you keep them on the line, the longer you keep them on the line, uh, the, lo- the longer they aren't scamming someone else. 
I'm not so sure you're going to share your faith and it's going to be uh, productive, but the reality is you do have an opportunity to share your faith. Usually what happens in those moments is they hang up pretty quickly, right? I want to share with you uh, a scripture out of Luke, just a few verses further than where we were. It says, the one who listens to me, uh, or the one who listens to you listens to me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Don't take it personal when people don't respond. Don't take it personal when someone's like, I am not up for that. Don't take it personal. It's not your, a personal attack. Sometimes people aren't there. Paul says this. Remember Paul, the most prolific uh, guy uh, in the New Testament? He said, listen, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God gave it the growth. Paul says, listen, I went to this town and I shared the gospel. And they didn't respond that day. And then Apollos came later and he watered that seed. And they still didn't respond that day. You know what I've noticed? This is my life experience. And I want to encourage you. The people who push hardest against your faith, the people who mock you the most, the people who struggle the hardest with, uh, with the idea of Christianity, to me are closer than those who are uh, apathetic about their faith. Because those people, th there's something there they see. They see this change. And, and internally, they're working through that. Don't be afraid to take chances about sharing your faith. Don't make it big and long and hard. Just share your testimony, your life. Some of the best part of my testimony is not even when I'm around. It's my wife. So my wife works at a Christian place where lots of Christians go. And anytime they find out who she's connected to, they laugh. Because they're like, there ain't no way that guy could be a pastor. <laughs> right? Because they remember me, the old Dan. They remember those stories in high school. They know who I was. I don't share all those with you because they're pretty re some of them are pretty ridiculous. People are watching. Take chances by sharing your faith. Finally, tell, oops, sorry. Tell others about Jesus. He says, listen, when you go to a town, you can uh, heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God is near to you. Tell them that the kingdom is coming. Remember that the people of this time when the Gospels were written had been living in the Old Testament. And then they had 400 years of silence. Right? That's what they call the, the spot. We see it as one page in your Bible. Uh, but, but commentators uh, say that the, the last page of the Old Testament and the first page of the New Testament, in between there, they call it the 400 silent years. Think about how long 400 years is where, where God's people didn't hear his voice. They, didn't, uh, they weren't able to, uh, to recognize uh, anything coming from God for 400 years. And so when, 
Jesus was going out to share this new story, the, the, new, the gospel. He said, remind them that the kingdom is near. Remind them that what they've heard about in the Old Testament, all of that prophecy pointing forward to a Savior, is going to come. And it's very near. All of that is coming. And if, if, and it, was, if it was near 2,000 years ago, do you think it's a little nearer this morning? And the message they sent was, repent and live. What's it mean to repent? To turn around, right, to turn around, right? A 180. To turn around. To turn back from what you've been doing. Repent and live. That's the challenge in the Christian faith. Most people struggle with the repent piece. Right? It's like, wait, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take some Christianity if it's easy and I can just put it in my pocket as another uh, get out of hell free or get away from uh, the bad things. He says, listen, you need to turn from the error of your ways. You need to recognize that there is sin in your life and that that is holding you back from God. That's the peace that's keeping you from eternity. Repent and live. This morning, if you need to repent and live, let me challenge you, let me encourage you. The altar is open. I'd love to pray with you, but I don't have to pray with you. You can pray to God all by yourself if you'd rather. There's stuff between you and God. Get rid of it. All too often we make it a big deal. God says, listen, I'll, I'll make it go as far as the east is from the west. It'll be in the bottom of the ocean. Those are just a couple of illustrations out of Psalms. Don't overthink it. Just get rid of it. Repent. God, I, I, I made this mistake. This, is, this was a poor choice on my part. Poor decision. And oh, by the way, if you haven't made a poor decision, you probably haven't lived, right? Because we've all made poor decisions that end in sin. Lay it at his feet and move on. Let me encourage you as believers in Christ to not get hung up on other people's sins. Let them lay it at, their, at, at God's feet and then forgive them and leave it alone. I think sometimes in the church that's part of the problem. We tell people to repent and live and then we struggle when they struggle. But did you see what, did you see what they did? Did you, did you see what they said? What's the scripture about taking the plank out of our own eye? Repent and live. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. I just thank you, Lord, that the harvest is plenty. Lord, I pray for those this morning who are feeling called in any way, shape, or form. 
uh, to ministry, to minister to others. Lord, I pray that uh, this morning uh, that you would cement that call in their lives. Lord, you have uh, been preparing people for years to share their faith with one person that you put in front of them. Lord, I pray this morning that you would cement that, that mindset, that understanding, that face, that, Lord, you would help them, direct them, encourage them. Lord, for those who feel called to the ministry, full-time, uh, part-time, whatever that looks like, Lord, I pray even this morning that you would encourage their hearts, Lord, to take that step. Sometimes in our heart of hearts we, we believe, and yet we're afraid. And all too often we don't make the steps necessary. And so, Lord, I, I ask that you would encourage those amongst us this morning. There, there are some here who are called to ministry. And that's a scary idea. And so, Lord, I pray that you would encourage their hearts, bolden them to, to do the things you have put in front of them. Lord, you have called us uh, to a life, uh, doulos, the bondage, uh, slave bondage. Lord, the bondage of, of being a follower of you. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would help us to recognize that and understand that we have a call and a responsibility to share with others. Lord, I pray that uh, the harvest would be plentiful, both here and all over the world. In your name we pray. Amen.